Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. Zyawa, we've got your bass covered. Yes, they certainly do. Zyawa Reels. And don't forget Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. We Fish ASA is always available wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to check us out at our website, wefishasa.com. Dave Kranz and I record this show. We ship it down to Land of Lakes, Florida, to our buddy Brad Nearman at Berserk Productions. Yeah, you know Brad Nearman, father of young Max Nearman, less than two weeks old, as I'm telling you about this right now. Hi, baby Max, how you doing? On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnson from St. Croix, from U.S. Angling, Mike McNett. He's going to give us an ice team recap and talk about the changes in the carp program. Mike that is a good guy, known him for a long time. Can't wait to hear what Dave and him have to talk about. And I'm going to visit with one of the best walleye fishermen on the planet, my friend Tommy Chemos. But first, hey there, Dave Kranz. I'm going to flip this over to you so you can bring on our good friend Danny Johnston. Take it away. As Steve said, I am Dave Grants. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I'd like to welcome back Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. How are you? I am doing good. Uh, we're coming into spring here. A lot of stuff's happening. The weather's warming up uh, uh, across the country. And as I say that, we're in May, yet I saw photos from northern Minnesota where there was 20 inches of ice and they're still on the ice fishing panfish with machines. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? It's been a late spring. I was talking to a buddy of mine last night that's going up by Ely pretty soon here for walleye opener in Ely, Minnesota. And uh, yeah, I, I told him if I sit in the cabin, I mean, it's uh, it's been a late spring for sure. Yes, absolutely. So walleye, crappies, um, whatever you're fishing for out there, panfish, um, we did this uh, segment a while ago, uh, live bait versus artificials. Uh, uh, one or the other isn't necessarily better, but at times it can be. Well, I think that you, you said it that perfectly. You know, I, I would challenge people that love to live bait fish uh, to get better at artificial and i would also challenge the converse of that as well because i think we get comfortable and we get in our wheelhouse and we fish history and we're confident in what we do and therefore it drives what we do going forward but i'm here to tell you and i think you are too that both absolutely work I, personally i use very little live bait but i know a couple of friends of mine that are so good at it they can get me from the back of the boat with it sometimes. So it's that, it's that effective. So, um, no question, both work, I, it, but the, uh, the way you fish both sometimes can be very similar, but other times very, very different. One thing I learned about the live bait that this, this guy I know that's real good at it is he, he free lines minnows all the time, like very, very little or no weight. And his big claim is don't, let your setup impede 
the action of the bait and you'll get a lot more bites, you know. And then there's the other school of thought where you take the minnow and pinch it with your thumb behind the head and put it on a jig and throw it down there and they smoke it because of the scent. So there's there's a lot to the topic, but I think that the, 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 it, it is an important topic and I think people should be effective using both. Yeah, I think so. And uh, let's talk a little bit about crappie because I, uh, being in the retail store in Northern Illinois, a lot of people come in with a bucket and saying, hey, give me three dozen crappie minnows. They're, they're biting good and, and you can catch them that way or you can catch them on plastics or um would you do the same thing as what your buddy's doing with the with the crappy minnows? You put them out there on a float and not work them back a lot and leave them, or do you have to work those sometimes? You said you don't use live bait a lot, but um, what what is your uh, thought process on that? I mean, obviously the plastics we normally work those. Well, he's so good at this that he rarely uses a float. That's what I'm telling you. Oh, okay. He throws it out on just naked line and lets the thing swim around and absolutely smokes them with it. Very light line, little tiny hook, and a slightly bigger minnow where that thing's just swimming around. It blow your mind. Clear water, I can watch him eat it, where I can put a plastic in front of him, catch him pretty good, but not like that. I mean, he'll catch every one he sees. And, you know, that's just one way, but obviously the number one way to crappie fish in the history of existence is a minnow under a bobber. And, and that, that to this day, um, you know, you can throw it out, let it sit, or you can reel it in real slow, or you can pause real pause real all three work you know but i think on the on the artificial side in in my opinion it's 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 uh, size speed and where you put it drive everything and what i mean by that is always try to get above them um match the right size for the time of year and then speed is absolutely critical sometimes they want to lift and hold more vertical presentation when the water is super cold right after ice out all the way up to when they start to move into you know high 50s low 60s they'll start to move in and then they'll actually get in and bed up and all those stages affect the speed in which you fish them uh, big time <laughs> as that water warms up you can you can i don't I, I i don't jig up and down a jig ever for crappie coming back to me i don't yo-yo it ever i i like it on a slide and i, I think it, it's been something that's been very effective and it's just the way personally i've always done it but the speed to which that jig slides is critical uh, in accordance to water temperature yeah yeah and i i've had it where i i don't uh, use a lot of minnows sometimes when i'm going to crappies or panfish and bluegills whatever gonna go catch some fish to eat for taco tuesday or whatever i'm gonna do and i'll use a gulp minnow and Many times I start with that one-inch gulp minnow, and I'll be catching mostly bluegills, maybe some bass along with it, and maybe a few crappies. But I found if I went to a bigger gulp minnow, like a two-inch or any kind of soft plastics, um, scented preferably, I would catch more crappies. And and I think that would probably hold true to uh, live bait also, using going to a little bigger minnow. You're bringing up a really interesting point, and and I think that get you a know, I think part of that on the live bait side is if you're a believer in action of the bait, which my buddy really is. His theory is the bigger minnow is physically stronger, so you can put the same hook on a small minnow as you would a large minnow, and the large minnow is going to look more natural because he's pulling it around easier hmm. if that makes sense it does and and that's that's why he does it 
is we've had this conversation before. Uh, you know, in, in, in regard to the Gulp, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's really, uh, for me, it's a little colder water deal because kind of like, like the, the, it's the stage right past the air jig where it's still a stiff stick type, no uh, appendages, no twister tail. Um, if we're talking about just the Gulp minnow, it just kind of sits there, which is a really good thing in cold water. But there's no doubt that scent works for all fish on those baits. It's just... I mean, they'll eat it if you don't take it away from them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, on uh, the walleyes, the guys that fish these major rivers across this country, uh, uh, there's some of them that they got to have uh, live bait. They're going to use a, a small sucker or they're going to use a medium golden roach or they're going to use the biggest fathead they can get their hands on or chubs. But then there's the guys that go and they'll use a four-inch uh, ringworm or a, a curl, a twister tail of some type. Um what have you experienced with, with that? I know you've fished in Mississippi a little bit, and I think you've done some walleye out there. Well, I would say just what you said, and there's there's a there's a, a whole host of anglers out there uh, at, a, at a much much higher level at that part of it than than I am. That said, I've talked to a lot of them, and there are a lot of them are friends of mine. So I'm kind of going on third party information here, but it uh, the 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 live bait walleye, for example, uh, up in Canada. A lot of times they'll swear up and down that that minnow pinched off like the Lake of the Woods ice fishing deal. It's just what you have to do. And then there's other times where like you can put a, uh, a gulp crawler on a jig and catch them pretty good, but a live night crawler will absolutely smoke it. I've had first hand experience with that. So on the walleye side and the, and, and the crappie side, both, there's no doubt there's times you almost have to have live bait if you want to catch them at the highest level over plastic. But there's other times you don't really need it. And generally speaking, that's when that water's a little warmer is when you can get away from having to use live bait. You know, when you when you start catching them on ringworms, um, snap jigging, ripping wraps, um, jigging wraps, jerk baits, those things where um, you can start to catch them and kind of make them bite it uh it is, is a real good thing too. So two completely schools of different schools of thought there, but the great walleye anglers, almost all of them are really good with both. I, I guess is the point that I'm trying to make. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there because I've, I don't think I've ever asked anybody this or heard of this on the fly side. Is there ever an application for live bait? Well, you can put a live bait, App application on a fly rod, but obviously when you're fly casting and the line is moving the bait, then it's very difficult to just literally keep it on the hook. And plus very few people do that. It's more, they use a fly rod. Technically, a lot of people do kind of like a cane pole and chuck and duck or dip with live bait all the time. But when we're talking about fly casting, that's a whole different animal. Yep. The rod's the same, but it's a different application. And if you're fly casting it, I haven't met anybody that does that, nor have I. I've been teaching this sport for over 30 years, and I've never even seen or heard of that. <laughs> but if they're dipping it or pitching it, a matter of fact, I had two different fly blanks built into long crappie rods. So there's the, yeah, the, the, the rod itself works, but the application drives, whether it's live or artificial. Yeah, you could probably cast it off. Or I was thinking your buddy freelining, and I'm thinking of a of a live cricket on a fly rod and getting it out farther to where there's you know, uh, or or you know, if you've 
caught the amount of gills that were in closer and, you know, thinking maybe bedded gills or something like that, that you could put it and get it to those areas? Well, the spinning rod, the weight of the lure pulls the line off the reel. The fly rod, the weight of the line pulls the unweighted bait. So in the latter case, I just said there, the, the bait will come off the hook. Right. You just can't throw a cricket with a fly cast. I'd like to meet somebody that could, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but obviously a spinning rod's by far and always will be the best way to deliver something like that, unless you're dropping it right at your feet. Absolutely. Always, always good information. Always enjoy the conversations and always uh, learn uh, from what we talk about. And uh, thanks for being on the podcast again, Dan. Yeah, thanks for always having me, Dave. Appreciate oh, it. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is Sunline. My favorite lines to use is Sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Starley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Uh, this segment, uh, we're going to have on a... Uh, he is U.S. Angling Freshwater Fishing Director. His name is Mike McNett, and we're going to talk about something, uh, several things that we, we normally don't cover. One of them is going to be carp fishing. Welcome to the program, Mike. Thank you. Glad, glad you could do it. So for the listeners that don't know about uh, USA Angling, why don't you give them a little background on it? Yeah, that, I could take up the whole segment with that. But U.S. Angling basically is the confederation that uh, supports any of the, the uh, American fishermen who want to f- compete internationally in the world championship events. At, and there's, you know, there's a lot of them that go on and, and some people are aware and some people are not. So they can uh, check you guys out and, and uh, look into what you do and all the events you do because there's, there's many of them. But uh, let's, uh, I, I saw the press release that you just had a, a, a new carp fishing program director uh, uh, put into the organization. And, and uh, 
Carp fishing everywhere other than the U.S. is is very popular, and and sometimes you have to pay a lot of money to go to fish for them in 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 Europe, don't you? Yeah, you know, carp fishing is uh, in Europe is a sport fish. They they uh, protect their trophy waters. Um, they they definitely feed for the carp, uh, which is a technique in the United States that you know most people don't know about. And uh, it can take up to four or five days for them feeding a canal or a stream, waiting for that big, you know, 80-pound carp to swim up to their to their bait. And, you know, when they catch a carp, they, they treat them uh, with care, uh, you know, CPR, put them back in the water. Uh, in the U.S., unfortunately, uh, it's, it's going to take some time. But uh, we're discussing... Uh, entering in an MOU with the American Carp Society. And I'll tell you what, those guys are, uh, they're doing some great things in the United States right now. Yeah, and, and it's a, uh, uh, you know, we've all caught them and, and what a battle they put put on. And, and uh, they can be fun and it's still uh, a fish on the end of the rod. And, and I compare it to uh, people who freshwater fish and don't saltwater fish when they go and they fish somewhere saltwater and they're catching drum or catching something that isn't a, you know, like a sailfish or something like that. What's the difference? You're still fighting a fish. You're still enjoying the outdoors and it's still a good thing, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, even on the chain, you know, every once in a while you, you're, you're bass fishing or walleye fishing or maybe even hand fishing and you hook into something that's like a freight train. Well, you know, it's either a muskie or a carp. Yeah. <laughs> either one fights, you know, I mean, it's it's in the tug. That's what we all love. You know, I mean, we, we just want to get that mystery fish on the line. And if it's a carp, then you're going to have a lot longer battle probably than any other normal fish. Oh, yeah, because they fight good. Now, you have some events that you do uh, for carp in the U.S. here. Uh, are, are they regional or, or nationwide, or how does that work? Yeah, that, I'm just kind of delving into that because uh, as the freshwater fishing director, you know, I do deal with the bass team and kayak team and ice team, and uh, carp is such a small number of, of guys in, in uh and most of them are in the Baldwinsville, New York area. They've got the Pay Lakers in the Carolinas, and then you've got guys down in Texas. But um, there are a few circuits that are going on. I know American Carp Society said that they were uh, going to support a new format that is closer to uh, the format that they have in the World Championship. And uh, we're hoping that Bogdan, uh, our new carp team program director, is going to continue, you know, working with the youth and carp and uh we do have a chance of having a ladies team going to england this year with lee young who's a, a big supporter of of uh of our carp team but getting back to the tournaments right now we're presently the technical committee is looking at baldwinsville for having a world championship there in a couple of years so we've got to go out uh the ice is now gone out there and uh, we want to go to the lake and make sure that we know there's carp in there, but we just need to make sure it's castable because some of these tournaments, I mean, you literally have to throw a hundred yard cast to get to the fish, you know, and if you're catapulting your bait all the way a hundred yards, it's a, uh, it's fairly technical sport. Yeah. And, and I think if we were able to get something here, uh, that on a national level, that would create much more awareness for, for the species and for the, uh, the event as as well as maybe other people that would become interested in it absolutely i mean when when you're at these tournaments you got to understand the the world championship carp tournaments are 72 hours straight so the guys have tents set up 
you know, one guy's sleeping while the other guy is watching the lines. And when they get the fish on, you you know, you got to wake up and, and get that lunker in. But it's, uh, it's technically challenging. And just to introduce the people to the sport, it, it's pretty easy. I mean, you know, the, the amount of carp that we have in the United States is just amazing. And they've already seen videos of the past uh, events in Baldwinsville, and they're just itching to get out here and fish for those those big boys. Excellent. Now, you said uh, one guy's sleeping while the other guy's maintaining the rod. So are these all team events? They are. So the, the carp team is a 72-hour straight, and then each team, Romania, uh, Ukraine, United States, would have three two-man teams, and, and each two-man team would be in a different sector. Or an area, and they would be competing against the, you know, the people in, in that sector. So it, it can get pretty crazy, you know. And if when we do have the event, we're definitely going to need some support. You know, there's not as many stewards in the United States who understand uh, the rules of the game. So it's going to be a challenge, but I think we're up for it. I think so too. So uh, is there a, a element of a luck of the draw to, to getting the right peg or spot or because of the fact that, that you feed or you chum to get the fish to come to you, that's not as big of a factor? Yeah, from what I've been told, there are some uh, venues. Um, Hungary is is one of them. And that's actually where we were supposed to go to Ukraine this year, but obviously... Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, the travesty that's going on there. They're rescheduling it to Hungary. But th there are Peggy. They call them, you know, Peggy, which means a lot of times the guys would prefer to be at the end of a sector. That way, if they're baiting and they're coming from, you know, the area that, that doesn't have other fishermen, they're, you know, they're getting all those fish first to their bait. But it is very important. And, and I've even heard stories of, like when they're the tournaments are in Italy, that these guys will feed these uh, carp, you know, a specific flavor and a specific bait, and then of course they'll take it away from them. And I guess it's like an addiction, you know. And if they're the only ones with that bait and they give it back, then of course the carp are going to come back to that. So I don't know how much truth there is in that because I'm not as advanced a uh, carp fisherman as I am in ice and some of the others, but it's certainly one of those events where. It's running 72 hours. You can come out at any time of the day and watch these guys, and it, it's it's really exciting stuff. Yeah, that's pretty interesting about the baiting and the flavors because, you know, the trout baits that we have here, there's all kinds of different flavors of vanilla and strawberry and corn. and, and But to come up with your own recipe uh, to get them to want to like that, you know, that's got to be a skill in itself to figure that out, what they really want, and then you take it away from them, and then when you start using it again, they come to you, but I had never heard that before at all. So that that's pretty interesting. Uh, um, what type of equipment are they using for these? Most of the guys are using rod and reel. Uh, you know, carp fishing kind of lapses over with coarse angling, of course, where they're using the the long pole. But these guys, most of the venues, especially if it's in a lake, um, you know, you're you've got to cast up to 150 yards. You know, and they're catapulting their bait out there. So you're definitely looking at some, you know, 12, 13 foot rod and reel combos that, that you can cast, you know, a half a mile with. Yeah, yeah. You also mentioned you said that uh, U.S. Angling does some uh, kayak events. Yeah, actually, we're in, uh, we were going to be in Cookville 
and they rescheduled it. It was kind of right in the mix of uh, what was going on with COVID. So I think they're going to have the inaugural event in Portugal. And then next year, we're looking at uh, 2023 in the spring. Uh, we also uh, have a Pan Am event um, for kayak that our team is going to Mexico here in, uh, when is that? About six weeks from now. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's becoming more and more popular. You see more people going, uh, using the kayaks and, and uh, getting out there and uh, actually getting to areas that guys with boats can't get to. And I think that's that's probably a, a, a pretty neat factor for them. Yeah, and if you look at the conservation side, you know, I mean, there's no gas, there's no oil, you're not going to, you know what I mean? They're, they've got some pedaling, and I've seen some electric motors on them now, and it's just, uh, I, I tell you, it, when you when you take out 150 boats and put in 150 kayaks, it's a whole lot easier to manage, especially when you've got teams coming from, you know, different countries in that can't bring their kayaks with them. And thankfully, we've got uh, the support of Hobie and Jackson Kayak has, has uh, sponsored us in our past events. So it's kind of nice that those guys will bring all their kayaks out for the guys who, who can't transport them. And then uh, oftentimes, you know, since they're used, they'll give uh, good prices, you know, to any of the people that are there at the, at the event. Yeah, no, that's that that's pretty neat, and and it, I think that's going to keep going with, especially with the price of fuel the way it is. Uh, you know, the cost oh, of filling yeah. up a, a boat and a truck to haul it and everything else is is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, you can set up your kid for you know three hundred bucks with a little kayak and probably do some. Uh, I've seen all kinds of YouTube videos where guys will run uh, islets around and then have a piece of rope with a with a weight on it for the. For the anchor and it's just it's one of those things where diy man you put out a couple hundred bucks and and get you a kayak and you can turn it into whatever you want it yep and gets you off the bank and gets you out on the water and, and very good well uh definitely appreciate the update especially on the uh the carp fishing uh, program that's really neat and uh i'm sure we'll have you on again sometime in the future fantastic i really appreciate your time oh no problem that was mike mcnutt he is USA Angling's freshwater fishing director. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. While Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV, the Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. 
The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. You know my partner Dave Kranz is remote. Uh, won't be joining us as usual. This darn COVID's going to get over sooner or later and we'll get this straightened out. I hope that happens soon. But today I would like to join one of my favorite guys in the fishing industry. He's uh, cut himself a great reputation as a, an amazing tournament angler in the world of uh, walleyes. He has also been very successful in other areas, uh, muskie, bass. Uh, we'll talk both of those. We'll talk about products and the business of fishing. He's a great fisherman, a good guy, excellent businessman, and he's turned into a media superstar. He is my friend. Please welcome Tommy Chemos. Hey, Tommy, how you doing? Hey. Good. How's it going, Steve? Great to be back with you. Always good to talk to you. It's it's. I haven't seen you in a while. It's it's been it's been quite a while, but that'll change again too. I I, I know I know it will. Uh, one of the biggest things that uh, has happened to you is uh, you hooked up with uh, that gang of rascals on the Next Bite television and internet. Uh, the Next Bite is quite a marketing and social media and television communications operation. Tell us about the Next Bite. Well, you know, Steve, I was fortunate enough uh, quite a few years ago to start traveling with uh, Keith and, and, and Gary and Chase and, and uh, got to be a guest on the show. And as a lot of you know, um, uh, last year, Keith kind of backed away from the TV side of things, and uh, Chase and Gary gave me the opportunity um, to be a host now, and which is uh, a pretty awesome deal. And the group of guys we have, you know, uh, John Hoyer, Corey Sprangle, Jason Chakurit, obviously Chase and Gary Parsons, and myself is. Uh, uh, I'm pretty proud to be standing shoulder to shoulder with those guys, that's for sure. Oh, heck yeah. And to go back, when you said at the beginning, uh, Chase and Gary, you're talking Chase, Pers uh, Chase Parsons and Keith. Keith, <laughs> let me start that again. When you started out, you said Gary and Keith. You're talking Gary Parsons and Keith Cavias, probably the two top walleye anglers in the history of walleye tournament fishing. And in my opinion, the two biggest geniuses in the world of fishing marketing to ever uh, get in a boat together. And I don't know if you could have ever gotten a better indoctrination into what you're doing now than by hooking up with those two guys, uh, you know, Gary Parsons and Keith Kavias. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I've been very fortunate to um, not only get to know those guys, but consider them uh, real good friends. And, you know, a lot, what a lot of people may not know about uh, both of those guys is that, um, you know, how many other great anglers in this industry, those guys have mentored and, um, you know, had, had an, offered an open line to give them advice and share some business of their business insights with them. And, uh, um, you know, so there, there's a, a 
whole whole bunch of people out there that uh, owe those guys a great deal. But yeah, no, I I I've been very fortunate, and and um, you know Chase Parsons is one of my my very best friends, and and uh, he has uh, he he has definitely uh, taken what his father has taught him and run with it, and and I consider him to be um, probably one of the most talented. Uh, business people in the industry also at this point. It's it's uh, it's really amazing. When you said Chase Parsons is one of your very best friends, I, I will not hold that against you uh, <laughs> at, at all. I I enjoy Chase. Whenever I talk to Chase or have him on the show, we always have a lot of fun. Uh, uh, he, he lets me he lets me pick on him a little bit, and he takes it very well. But man, he, he's a, he's a smart fellow, a good guy, a good family man, good fisherman. And that, that whole bunch, uh, I, I say there's something to matter here because I consider all of you guys on the next bite my friends. Uh, Corey Sprangle was one of my first guests uh, when we started doing this part, podcast. I never had him on my radio show. I know I had you on the radio before, but, uh, you know, uh, I asked my partner Dave, I said, I need a walleye guest. Uh, who would you pick uh, to have on as a walleye guest? And he asked the young guys he works with, and this was six years ago, because uh, you know Dave's got a retail store in the Chicagoland area, and he's got a, a bunch of young fellas that work the counter for him. And he said to a man, they said, "You have to have Corey Springle on. If you're going to talk walleye, there's nobody better to talk to than a Corey Springle." And I said, "Who?" And uh, I, I looked at it, and man, he was just really breaking into walleye fishing on a big time basis. And, and he did it in a huge way. He took the walleye world on fire. Uh, John Hoyer, I'm, the first time I had John Hoyer on, he was uh, uh, he had won a big walleye tournament. You know, he won a, a huge payday in a walleye tournament. And then the next week or the, the second week after, he won a uh, a big check and the national uh, the pro muskie tournament trail won the biggest muskie tournament out there. I go, who wins a walleye tournament one week, comes back and wins a muskie tournament the next? And this guy's been, <laughs> this guy signed up for bass tournaments and, and doing stuff like this. I go, all of you guys are phenomenal in, in the fact that, you know, for the most part, when we talk to Bassmaster Elite people or Major League Fishing, Bass Pro Tour people, they want to talk about bass because that's what they do all the time. Uh, you guys want to talk about what the hot bite is that's coming up in the week ahead of us. Well, yeah, no doubt. Matter of fact, I've got my eyeball on uh, the cohos down on Lake Michigan right now. But uh, <laughs> you know, we we all love uh, what we all have in common is we love to fish. We uh, um, are all pretty pretty good anglers at that. And and uh, you know, no matter what we're fishing for, you, you know, we we always seem to figure out a way to take it to the next level. And you start talking about you know. Uh, you know, John Hoyers and, and Corey Springle, they're, they're, those are guys that, you know, they don't just dip their toe in anything. They, they jump in at first. So that's kind of how we're all wired in the sport, you know, but uh, um, yeah, as far as like multi-species anglers, I, I don't ever like doing the bass versus walleye thing, but I'm pretty sure that uh, there's not too many bass anglers that could hold a candle to, some of these walleye guys when it comes to uh, 
just going out and catching anything, you know. <laughs> yeah, for, for for sure, for sure. I, I you know, whenever I I asked I asked the bass guys about that, and a lot of them will say that they they would uh, they they would enter a crappie tournament if that was available, or they wouldn't mind. I said, what what if you had a a, a dual species tournament? You know, where you fish one species in the morning, one in the afternoon, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing bass in the morning and crappie in the afternoon, but none of them ever say, yeah, I want to fish for walleyes. And I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I go back to the days when uh, ESPN staged the great outdoor games where they were having all these events uh, that were manufactured for TV, and uh, they had a, a bass and walleye challenge. And I want to say... Uh, the first year, the gold medal was won by uh, uh, Denny Brower and, and my friend Mike Gofron. And because it was an ESPN event, and ESPN owned Bassmasters at the time, they, they kind of filmed it and, and, and announced it as, well, we're going to watch Denny Brower take Mike Gofron out and show him how to really catch walleyes today. And, and, <laughs> and, and Gofron was the, the number one walleye angler in the world, and, and you know he, he smoked them. And uh, they they had it. It was on the Madison chain, Madison, Wisconsin, the state capital of Wisconsin, where the university is. And in, in the summer, it's one of the most heavily pressured lakes in the Midwest. You know, darn impossible to go out and catch fish after twelve noon in in the sun. And, and Gofron put out a clinic, and and uh, and and they they won it because of Mike taking all those fish. And I've talked, you know, I, I talked to Denny Brown. I've got to know him pretty well in the past, and. He's like he he couldn't believe that this guy could catch fish like this. He says it was an education, and I said, look at that. They didn't make it look that way on TV, but in real life, it was that way. The walleye guys know how to do this, and they're more multidimensional. And uh, I I think that uh, you guys prove that every week on the next bite. Yeah, you know I I I don't really know how to explain that other than I think a lot of us come from areas where we have you know lakes in our backyard that you know have a bunch of species for example you know a lot of you know i grew up on pewaukee lake which is you know known as one of the premier musky lakes in southern wisconsin and but it's also a phenomenal bass lake and walleye lake as well and and you know i know like you know you're talking about gofron he's from the fox chain and um, that's a super tough place to fish, but it has all of those other species, you know? So I don't know, maybe that's just what it is. Like I know Sprengel, he's from, you know, the Beaver Dam area. There's a bunch of smaller lakes around there with a variety of different species to, to, to chase around. And, um, you know, Kavias Parsons coming from that Winnebago area, obviously walleye is number one, but there's plenty of everything around there too. Hey, to go after, so I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what it is, you know. When they ask you to be on the next bite, I, I'm a, I'm pretty positive that uh, the final okay for putting you on the team and on the air all the time, uh, what to what to Gary Parsons that he was he was the one that made this, the decision that Tommy Chemos would be on the next bite, and I, I want to know if it's true because I heard that the one of the qualifications for being on the next bite was. You had the promise to brush twice a day and floss and, and, and gargle. Is that true? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm here to tell you that it's, it has nothing to do with your teeth because uh, uh, I, 
I, my my mouth of jibs is nothing to be proud of, but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, no, he, uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Brushing and flossing um, is important to him. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and you know, people are scratching their head. Listen, uh, Gary Parsons, one of the most successful walleye anglers in the history of walleye fishing, uh, gave up his, uh, an amazingly successful career as being a dentist. To fish for a living, and uh, that's just something I, I joke around about is the is the teeth is the teeth jokes, and that's uh, uh, that, that's that's cute. I, I enjoy that. Hey, you know, I want to talk about a number. Let me take a real quick break. Uh, I want to uh, let my sponsors have a word or two, and then we come back. I want to talk about your sponsors because that was actually really what got me to call you today. Was I saw something on Facebook and it had to do with sponsorships, and I thought it was very interesting because. You know, the people listen, and they go, oh, yeah, sure, sure, Tommy Kimos, walleye fisherman. He just has to put the boat on the trailer, go fish, make sure the camera's got batteries, and uh, stay out there until he catches something to film. Uh-uh, this is a big business, and you had a huge business decision uh, that challenged you, and I want to ask you about that and how you uh, how you handle that. Let's take a quick break. This is We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. My guest is... Walleye fisherman extraordinaire, Tommy Kimos. We will be right back. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. My guest is walleye angler Tommy Chemos. Hey, Tommy, I read something on Facebook, and it started out, I, I got a little shook up when I started reading it. It says, I would like to clear the air in regards to my super tough business decision. I'm going, clear the air? Tommy Chemos, the most honest guy in the world. Uh-oh, is, is this a scandal? What's going on? It wasn't, but it, it made me kind of sad to read this because you, you, this whole next bite thing puts you in a little bit of a difficult position. Am I correct in saying that? Well, I, I wouldn't say that it was the, the next, necessarily the next bite 
that that you know caused me to have the the a tough decision i mean um those guys have been great with working with all of us you know the, the whole group we all share some a bunch of great aligned partners and we all have some of our own individuals and and in in my situation i i've been fortunate enough to have been working with yamaha for the last eight years and and um, you know, different things happen in our industry that cause us to have to make decisions and, and um, whether it's, you know, a, a, a holding company buying a, up a smaller company, there's, there's so many different things that go on behind the scenes. And, and in, in my situation, um, I've been with Triton Boats as long as I've been with Yamaha and, um, just recently, uh, White White River Marine um, made the decision, and and I, I I won't even pretend to know what all went into that. Um, so I don't want to even get into that. But what I can tell you is that they made the decision that, um, you know, I was no longer they would no longer hang my Yamahas on on the boat for me, and and. You know, the last couple of years, I've been a little uncomfortable because there's been less and less Triton dealers, uh, Triton Yamaha dealers. And it's always important to me, whoever I'm working with, that I'm, I'm doing as best of a job as I can to promote the product. And, and um, in this situation, you know, I was there was less and less places that I could send people to and they would inquire about the product. So. That being said, um, late late last season, well, just about before Christmas time, my boat had um, my boat order had gone in, and and I was notified that they would no longer be able to put that Yamaha on on the back of the Triton, and so I was forced with the decision to make, and and you know it was a super tough one because I had a great relationship with Yamaha and. and um, but I also, you know, looking down the road at what made the most sense for the opportunity that, you know, I was given with the next bite and as well as to be working with a, you know, Bass Pro Shops and White River Marine, um, you know, I had a decision to make. I either go out and try to put something, a boat deal together at the last minute and stay with Yamaha or talk to Bass Pro about, you know, what, I, I'm sorry, talk to Triton about what, you know, sort of opportunity there would be if I stuck with them and obviously it would be with Mercury. So mm-hmm. um, I was very fortunate, you know, the part of that little letter that I put out that I regretted a little bit was I didn't put enough emphasis on how fortunate I, <laughs> I am that, you know, White River Marine thought enough of what I've been doing that, you know, they they worked with me to try to figure out a way to make it work for me moving forward. And, and we were able to come up with a, an agreement and I'm super, super grateful for it. And, you know, it, it aligns me more with, with obviously with next fight partners and, and, you know that that's kind of where my head is at moving forward, and and uh, so yeah, I mean that that's kind of the short 
ver as short as I can make That's that. That's good. But, no, 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 you explained it well. It's it's really tough to make a long term relationship in this industry um, nowadays. There's a lot of um, you know there there's are there's a lot of turnover in some of these positions, and and you get a relationship started with somebody, and and you know get to know them and and get comfortable working with them, and a lot of times you know they'll get promoted or go to a different company and you're back to square one. So it's, it's super, you know, it's super hard and you, and you make great relationships. I've got just, I made a ton of just really good friends in this industry over the years. And, um, you know, David being one of them and, and it, it uh, you know, but at the end of the day, I think everybody respects making decisions and making those decisions based on what's best for, you know, you and your family moving forward. And, and, and that being said, sometimes those decisions are super hard and, and, and you don't, you know, when you make them, you know, it, sometimes it takes a while to figure out whether that was, was the right move to make or not. But uh, um, I, I, I feel, I feel good about, where I'm at moving forward and, and that's super important. And I'm super excited to be, you know, working with, with white river Marine bass pro shops. And obviously, you know, my brother's at the next bite. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, a lot of times at this level, the decision is out of your hands. I, I bet you, if I got, Dave Hittner in the room right now. I grabbed his arm and twisted as hard as I could. I couldn't force him to say that Tommy Chemos is not a good guy. Uh, you know, there, there's no blame at all. And you, you still have a relationship. You still have a friendship. And that's a nice thing to see. And maybe that doesn't happen in any other business than fishing because we've got a lot of nice people and a lot of nice companies in this business. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's no doubt about that. It's a unique industry and there's, um, you know, a whole bunch of people out there with the same, that share the same passion, um, you know, for the sport, for the outdoors. And, and uh, you know, so that, you know, we, we basically are, you know, we, we, we all are hatched out of the same egg basically, yeah, you know. That's good, and good so, line. Good. I like the way you said that. I, I, but, do, uh, I do like the way you said that. Hey, go back before you said uh, you talked about uh, uh, a lot of bass guys have never caught a walleye or, or, or whatever. A lot of bass guys, you know, don't want to talk about anything other than bass. And, and you want to talk about walleyes, but you'll talk about other things. And we're going to talk a little bass in, in a moment. Uh, I There was a sports writer from Chicago. Uh, he doesn't write anymore. And he used to get me real aggravated because he always said that walleyes, they are the fish that does not mind being caught. <laughs> and, 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 and I find that to be as far from true as possible because, number one, I think they're the hardest fish to catch. Well, I think they're one of the hardest fish to catch. They're, they're difficult to f catch. They're difficult to locate them. And, and if you can locate them, getting them to eat is, is a true challenge. Uh, then when you get them on the line, you know, maybe maybe if you catch a 15-inch walleye, it, it doesn't fight real good, and it does come to the boat rather quickly. You start getting a fish that's four pounds and up, they're damn stubborn. They don't want to come to the boat at all. So saying it's a fish that doesn't want to be caught, I find to be incredibly unfair. <laughs> well, 
it's in a walleye's nature to stay down. So that in itself is kind of goes against the the theory that they want to be caught. Most of my experience with bass are they come right to the surface right away. So I don't know. You tell me, but uh, <laughs> but no, I you know I'll tell you what they're 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 all a little bit different in in how they act. But um, you know I I think that especially now with the electronics that we have, um, I think that. You know, the bass guys always take, they get the credit for about everything that happens in this, in this sport. But I, I think that a lot of them have been getting an education with the new electronics, you know, that bass do a lot more of the same stuff that walleyes do than a lot of them ever realized. And, and that is as far as the offshore game goes, I know that there's plenty of guys that have made a living in bass fishing the offshore stuff. But, um, you know, all of these fish end up spending some time roaming around in open water at one point or another. And, and uh, um, you know, now with what we, once again, with our forward facing sonar, um, you know, that live scope is, uh, really re-educated me on a, a lot of the stuff that I thought I knew, um, I wasn't a hundred percent correct on, and, and it's, it's just taught me so much about what all these fish do, you know, bat, bass and walleyes, but, uh, um, so it's pretty cool that way, you know, but, uh, I don't know that the whole bass walleye thing, I'm a huge fan of the bass walleye format. Um, I know that the guys in the next bite, would be the first to sign up for a format like that. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Without a doubt. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter what the names of the other guys were that signed up. We'd be all, we'd be all in on it. Um, you know, the MWC did a bass walleye challenge for a few years and, uh, they did one down on the Mississippi river. I didn't fish that, but then they, they had one, uh, up in, uh, up in Green Bay, I actually took second in that one. Um, that was, you know, smallmouth yeah. and walleyes. So I, that's I, going way back. That was like '97. <laughs> I'd like to see. I'd like to see. I'd like to see more of that. I will definitely be watching. On uh, I believe it is uh, May the 13th and 14th. One of the biggest tournaments in the country is the Sturgeon Bay Open in Wisconsin out of uh, Sturgeon Bay, which is by Green Bay, Lake Michigan, in Wisconsin. And it is the premier smallmouth bass fishing tournament in the country. And you are going to fish it. I, who are you fishing it with this year? No, no, I'm I'm not fishing it. Huh. But, uh, I know Jason, Jason uh, Corey are fishing together. And... Uh, Jason Chikurt, I think, is fishing with uh, Danny Woodkey, who's a oh. uh, he's a stud from uh, over on the other side of the bay. There, uh, good good dude. They'll be a they'll be definitely a team to look out for. And then I think John Hoyer's fishing with uh, uh, one of the Minky brothers. I was going to say, yeah, I thought he was fishing with Dusty. I'm not sure. But yeah, you know yeah, what? But you see this? Here's this huge money smallmouth tournament. 
that draws people from all over. And they always have names like uh, the Linders and uh, Bob Azumi from Canada and, and guys like that. And they're coming from all over to get into this thing because it's so big and it's so prestigious. And you see walleye guys wanting to get into this big small ball tournament. I don't see a lot of I don't see a lot of uh, uh, bass guys trying to sign up for any walleye tournaments. It just doesn't happen. So I think that tells a story right there. And I'm sorry for saying you're in it. I know I, I you fished it before, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I know you fished it. I thought I thought you were doing it again, and I wish you were because I'll be watching this, and I hope that that you guys. You guys all do, all, all of you guys from Next Bite do great, and I think it's incredible competition, and uh, and it will be good. So we, we will we will definitely follow that, and you've already started out with a good year in, in, in uh, tournament walleye fishing. I know it will continue. I hate to say it, but I'm out of time. Tommy Chemos, thank you for being with us. We'll get everybody go to thenextbite.com. Find out where you can watch some amazing video produced by uh, Gary and Chase Parsons, uh, Corey Sprangle, John Hoyer, and Tommy Chemos. It's, it's great, great fishing, not just walleyes. They do bass, they do muskies. It's, it's wonderfully produced. Great products. You'll learn a lot. You watch the next bite, you'll become a better fisherman. Tommy, thanks for being with us. We'll catch up with you soon. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. You take care. Always a pleasure. You too. Tommy Chemos. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Mike McNett from U.S. Angling. Thanks, Mike. Glad to have you on. It's been a long time. Tommy Chemos from The Next Bite. Man, that guy knows walleyes, but he knows bass. He knows muskies. Man can fish. Tommy Chemos. I'd like to thank our sponsor, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fits your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. They certainly do. Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts, and don't forget to check us out at wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, or somebody we should have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing! I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.